Hey guys, on this episode of the Sam Mays Podcast, I sit down with a couple of good friends of mine, Mark Rogers from WWLS, the sports animal in Oklahoma City, and Casey Jackson with Jacksons of Kingfisher. We discuss the win-loss total predictions for both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, what the Thunder going to do with the number two pick in the NBA draft, and what both OU and OSU softball's expectations are for the Women's College World Series. Hope you guys enjoy it. <laughs> Welcome, I'm Sam Mays, and today in the Sam Mays Podcast, we've got Mr. Mark Rogers from WWLS, the sports animal here in Oklahoma City, and our good friend Casey Jackson. Yes, sir. From Jackson's of Kingfisher. Casey, a buddy of mine, he has uh, never been scared of a microphone, <laughs> and uh, we're talking a little college football today. I figured you'd have an opinion uh, with your Oklahoma State Cowboys and the Oklahoma Sooners, obviously, here in the state is... The biggest conversation there is, period. Mm-hmm. As much as I love uh, the NBA and Thunder basketball, there's no bigger conversation in college football. So, uh, Mark, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. I didn't even get former partner status on, on the intro. Oh, what? yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a while ago. But Actually, it's, it's not even – I enjoyed that time. He, Mark gets mentor status. No, that's You not really true. are. No, I mean, you taught me a lot about radio over okay. the years. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're a little bit older than I am. Uh, that's right. I'm a lot older. A lot older than you Are guys. you a lot older? Yeah, I'm a lot older. Like how much? Like 55? No, thank you. Are you 50? <laughs> 12 years. I'll be, I'll be 52 in July. 52 in the July. I love yeah. this, though. Yeah. I well, got, it's distinguished. I'm, I'm kind of even impressed with how long it, yeah. it's getting because I was going for the beard for a while. I don't know what to do. Still don't know what to do with this. It could yeah. go at any time. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's. I love it. It's fantastic. Distinguished for sure. Case- Someone said something to me one time that was really – it hit me hard. It was like a beard is a diet for your face. And so <laughs> – I think it slims, <laughs> it, it, slims it down here. Because if I get rid of it, I think it's just – so I thought, hey, if you think that, that's great. Nice. I like it. I like it. The one thing I knew about Casey is your body is probably completely shaved uh, due to your – It's coming back. Is it? I'm stubbly at so, the moment. So Mark, I'm a little stubbly. Sam. Casey did a bodybuilding competition. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, at the same time that I've been going through my – uh, path to better it's health. funny I didn't run into you. So did I. I mean, you, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Where was it? Must have been a different one. It might have been. I didn't see you there. No, I wasn't there. <laughs> so how? I mean, how was it? Awesome. Yeah, it was. It was. You know, we did all this training, and last time we talked, I was so excited. All the training, a lot of uh, transformation happened in the body, and then I get with my trainer uh, Matt Scott there at Kingfisher, and uh, we get down to the end, and he's like, "Look, it, he gives me the show prep." Okay, right. Talking about shaving. And he's like, well, I'm going to need you to shave. And that's, that's a full list. Uh, uh, of things you need to shave? Well, yeah. It's a full list of that, too. But there was a full other list. You have to prep your body and put the baking soda in okay. showers in certain hours. And you're shaving from tip to toe and tip and tip and to toe. And and uh, we got to this point, and he's, we're going through the tanning procedure and everything. And uh, there's a sock involved in the tan situation. Oh, okay. good so, lord. Uh, optional, optional sock. <laughs> And we got to this point in the last two weeks, and I was like, I, maybe I'm not going to do this. I, maybe I'm not going to do this. It was like that much body preparation. Right. You know, the diet, the exercise, I can do all that. Anyway, it got kind of weird at the end. You had to put uh, nail polish on your nails and toenails and and so, so this yeah. is about as clean as you've ever been. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> I, after all the work, I decided to go ahead and do it. And it was very interesting experience and i actually i really did enjoy it um other than the whole prep showery shave tan thing did you win 
No. Well, I, I actually, I won first in my age group. That's what's up, man. Yeah. Congratulations. Was, thank That's you. I was, I was the only one in my age group, though. Nice. And so, but I won first in my age group, being the only one. My, uh, I, I won second in what I wanted to compete in. Okay. And so, I was pretty proud of that. The guy was younger than me, you know. So now, so now, what's happening? Are you going to do it? Do it again, or are you just now just uh, staying in shape? No, I'm. Uh, I'm doing Ironman. That's my next thing. Uh, what? So my goal is an Ironman before I'm 40. That's my goal. So That's I'm the swimming, swimming, the biking. Yeah. Swim, How many miles on. swimming? Uh, it's 2.4. A, t- a full. It's 2.4, 2.2 mile swim, and it's a marathon. It's 112 miles on a bike, and then a marathon, 26 mile run. What? I know. I'm doing on June 26th. I'm doing a half in Texas. Is it open water? Yeah. I'd yeah. rather get spray tan. <laughs> <laughs> I also hey, rather get spray tan. A few years ago, I ran a – it's been more than a few, but I ran the half marathon. Okay. And that was an interesting experience. And I used to jog a lot more than I do now, which is none. But uh, it was very rewarding. So yeah. if, the you, memorial? if you can accomplish that, yes. I yeah. Did yeah. Half yeah, I did. The memorial. Yeah. If you can do that, I'm sure that would be incredible. Yeah. That would be, I think you would feel a lot better about that than the bodybuilding. Oh uh, yeah, I, it'll be a huge, yeah. huge uh, achievement. I think. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's, that would be amazing. Cool. So it's going good. I rode twenty eight miles the other day. Uh, and, oh, it's on Saturday. I actually rode south to like Lucky Star from Kingfisher. Nice. And, and, yeah, and I averaged like twenty nine mile an hour on a road bike. You know, seriously. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm going heading south, and well, I'm loving this, man. I can do this. You know, one hundred twelve miles. I could probably do that. I mean, that sounds pretty easy at this point. Well, then I turned around. And the wind changed. And then, yeah, and, and it hit me in the face. Wind and hills are bad for biking. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was, I, I averaged 11 miles an hour. It, was, it took me an hour and 40 minutes of biking, and about an hour and 10 minutes of it was heading back north against the wind. Yeah, that's uh, two so that 2.4 miles swim would be tough, but our, our former colleague Traber once said that he could swim through a tsunami. So, I mean, I don't know what that's part of uh, any kind of Ironman competition, but that seems more difficult. I think it should be. So, I, I share a lot of things in common with Traber, and I'm, I don't know that I'm super proud of that. Right. Um, <laughs> I, too, said something ignorant on radio uh, two or three years ago that I could swim across one of the lakes here in Oklahoma. I'm like, I keep in mind, I don't know how to swim at this point. But I'm like, I did the half marathon, and I'm like, I feel good about myself. I did it 330 pounds, and a whole lot of people out there hey, did that, right? Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. So I want to learn how to swim, and I'm going to swim across a lake. So I spend – Six months in a pool with a lady that's trained Olympians, right? Mm-hmm. This is what she does. She's going to teach me how to swim. She's going to teach me how to open water swim. Six months into that, I had not learned how to relax in the water at all. Oh, it's, at all. It's brutal. I don't float. I sink to the bottom immediately. I can swim fast. I learned how to swim, but I have no endurance at all. I will never understand how people can glide so easily. Yeah. Like, hey, good morning. Let's mm-hmm. get in the water <laughs> and have a leisurely swim. I'm like, no, I'm fighting for my life. Yeah. Every moment in the water. Yeah. That, to me, is the only, like, the biking, sure, I'll give it a go. The, the running, fine. I, I I was halfway there. But the swimming thing, and then with the other people around you. It's psychological. It, swimming is all technique. It can be because yeah. you can't breathe, and that's the problem. It's hard to breathe. <laughs> right. It's hard to breathe in water. But I think once you can get that, you know, as far as endurance, if you're in pretty good shape, you can run even a half, and you could, you could swim as long as you can breathe. You know, you're in shape enough to do that. When you're ready for some turbulence next to you in the water, I will come out, jump off a boat as you're (laughs) swimming, like, around you. That's what I need. Yeah, yeah, it'll be good. Give you a little adversity for sure. Wow. (laughs) 
All right, so we're here in the Sam Mays podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some college football stuff with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. We have some season-winning win- total predictions out. Uh, it is nine for Oklahoma. It is eight and a half for Oklahoma State. We're also going to talk a little Thunder basketball as they have the number two pick in the draft. And I am just amazed every single day how Sam Presti has navigated this unbelievably uh, downtime of Oklahoma City basketball. But I don't hate him for it. You know what I mean? He's done it in a way that I, I don't have to feel like – I'm embarrassed of the program. I'm embarrassed of the city. So it's uh, it's been pretty awesome. So I'm curious to know what Mark and, and uh, Casey think of that number two pick. So we'll, we'll start with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. We'll start with the Cowboys first in honor of our, our, our guest here. No now, Oklahoma State fans hate me, but they should love uh, Casey Jackson. Um, the Cowboys. Still, they've loved you before. Uh-huh. They may have hated you for a while, but they can love you again. They okay. Maybe one day. Nah, you're fine. <laughs> I think that this year is going to be interesting because – It'll be the first year where OU fans understand that like I'm I do this in a real unbiased way. Yeah. So like I get it. Yeah. That's like Oklahoma is going to lose some games this year. Right. They, they just are, and I will absolutely let you know that I think they're going to lose a bunch of games uh, this year. So, but we'll start with the Cowboys. Their their prediction is eight and a half. Um, I like this Oklahoma State team coming back offensively for sure. I think Mike Gundy's been masterful for almost a decade at damage control. I would argue that Mike Gundy better at damage control maybe than any other coach in the country considering what he's had to deal with in the last 10 years and what he hasn't had on that roster, but they still win a bunch of games. So you bring back Sanders for a fifth year. You bring back you know a, a talented offensive line for the first time in a long time. It doesn't necessarily matter to me what they do with the running back spot. Receivers, they always have dudes there in Stillwater. And defensively, the culture, I think, will stay intact even though that coordinator is gone. I'd like the Cowboys for over. I really do. I really do like them. I think they'll win more than that this year. I think they'll be in competition for a, for a title. Okay, I got some questions for you guys. All okay. right, from the Oklahoma State side of this thing, um, offensive line. Uh, you you lose Kudlevsky and Sills, two really good players, and it seems like they're moving guys around. You've got two new tackles. Uh, you have both guys were starters at other schools, I'm right? Just, well, yep. they were junior college starters. I'm just saying that's a big step up. So uh, I'm a little worried about the depth on the offensive line. Um, I do like the quarterback. I still don't trust him. It's right. kind of like a, it's, it's like it's a bad relationship. You've had a couple of, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. it might be really good sometimes, but there's really bad sometimes. And so it, it might still get there to be good. But I, I don't know that he can be consistent enough. But I think everything else on offense, listen, Oklahoma State's wide receiver core is as good, really, I think as about anyone in the country. They're four or five deep. I'm, I'm completely excited about Tyler Shetron. I am. I love the Presley brothers. I think they're both fantastic. I think that uh, Bray uh, was a huge hit in his freshman year. He's got to be better as a true freshman. It's unbelievable catches for them. Uh, running back wise, I do love Ollie Gordon. I mean, freak. you have to tell me. Holy but I, crap! I think he's the best freak. running back on campus. Agreed. So I think he'll play there. So I think the offense is really going to be fine. I, you, know, you know, the Cowboy back Casty is going to be good too. Yep. So that's now, big, didn't they bring in two offensive linemen, Mark, from from the transfer portal? Right, one from Cal. Am I crazy here? Did I thought they got a couple? Oh, of, you've got one from Cal. Oh, yeah. So I'm not sure. I I, I didn't really look, and I and I was just kind of looking at projected depth charts, but. You, I mean, I'll defer to you. You tell me what you think of the offensive line. Because on offense, everything else is good. I mean, everything else to me is screaming over eight and a half on the offensive side of the ball. They've got as good of offensive returners as anyone in the league. Right. Or better. I would tell you that I, I, I don't know how good that offensive line is going to be, but I can respect Coach Dickey and Mike Gundy enough in the job that they've done over the last several years that no matter how they, – they're never going to be bad. 
Like, they, they went to a Big 12 championship with what I would say was a pretty poor offensive line. Injuries. And, and they still got to move there. around. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? Yeah. So it's like they find a way. I think this group will be better than they were a year ago. How about that? Okay. Yeah. If that's true, then I think they're going to have the best offense in the Big 12. Whoa. Well, how, why wouldn't they not? I mean, you they, know what? I, if, I, if hey, we can sit here I, and talk about it. Dylan Gabriel all we want at Oklahoma. Right. Texas has got some question marks at quarterback, right? Uh, everyone else is kind of down. Sonny Dykes will give TCU a little bit of a boost. But I, I think Oklahoma State's got the, the all-Big 12 quarterback. They've got talented skill. If you say the offensive line's going to be good, I think that they, that's going to be fair to say. We, we'll talk about the defense in a second, but I'm just saying is that I think that that's, to me, how I feel about the offense. Casey, where are you at offensively? I think it's going to be a lot like last year offensively. I think there is one uh, on the transfer. Portal, came, okay. Jason Brooks, yeah. Yeah, and I think they lost the other one now that I think yeah. about it. I think he transferred somewhere else. Yeah. Yes. And so uh, I think offensively it's going to look a lot like last year. That's what I think, especially with Spencer at the helm. And so I, Do you I, love him or hate him, Spencer Sanders? Uh, it's a trust relationship is a great way to put it. I, I love it's. He's a fun quarterback. And so I like that about him. I like his wheels and his athleticism. That's what I like about him. I, li- I like watching him. Do I like it when uh, – no. There are, t- there are times it's a love-hate thing. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> running 50, I mean, yards, listen, running 50 yards down the field is great, but fumbling the ball at the yeah, end of it is yeah, bad. That's right. It's, it's like that's a bad ending. Absolutely sometimes, bad. Sometimes you're having a good time and the wheels fall off, you know? <laughs> right. I, I'll tell you this about being an Oklahoma State fan is it takes true grit to be an Oklahoma State fan. No question. Over the years. No so, question. So you, you get used to getting let down, but you still get hyped up. And I'm excited. I'm excited about this year. Defensively, I think you guys will get to this, but defensively is going to be the big question for me. The one room I like on the defensive end would be the defensive end room, which I would argue that the they best probably, in the league. It's the, probably one of your top five rooms in the country. Like they got some dudes and they got some depth. They got some talent, some NFL players in that room. If Trace Ford can be happy, I can't imagine what those two Oliver and Ford look like together out there rushing yeah. the passer. Uh, so yeah, you love it there. Obviously, you lose a bunch in that linebacker spot. Right. Uh, you lose a bunch in the interior. I mean, that's going to be hard to replace. But there's something about. Oklahoma State learned something about themselves last year on the defensive end, and I think they're going to do everything in their power to keep that mentality intact. The question is, do they have the leadership to do so on the field? Brock Martin and Walter Scheid are also really good players. Brock Martin's underrated. All right, I mean, I, think I would he's agree really with that. Good. But I, I think up the middle of the defense, I was always a big fan of Israel Antoine since the first time I saw him, which was when he was at Millwood High School, uh, and he was big and young. Like, he looked like he was going to grow into his frame a lot. And I think – um, and you can speak to this. When you got a guy that's in there that's going to stop all that stuff, oh yeah, that helps the defense so much. If you got to double a, a guy, mm-hmm. then you 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 free up everybody else in the outside. So I'm a little worried about how they're going to replace him. Uh, and then like, so I looked at some of the numbers today. Corey Black, Jabbar Muhammad, uh, the corners have a combined one start. And you graduated uh, a ton of experience and leadership in yep. the corner position. Then the, you get to the linebackers. Uh, Mason Cobb had one start. Um, you've got the tech transfer coming in, which I think will be good. But there's just no experience up the middle of the defense. I love the safeties. Jason Taylor is underrated. He probably made the two biggest plays on defense of the entire season last year. Oklahoma State's beat at Texas if he doesn't pick off that pass and go the distance in that game. Right. Huge momentum changer. Blocked a field goal in what seemed like an improbable loss at Boise State. If those two plays don't happen, there's no way Oklahoma State's playing for a Big 12 championship. Morale just goes down. They Accurate. win two games sure. they're not supposed to. They lose a conference game. Um, and so I just think that uh, I thought that last year's Oklahoma State defense was understated, incredible. 
Those guys were old. They were experienced. They'd seen a lot. I think that they got Jim Knowles an Ohio State job that he probably wouldn't have gotten if they would have left and gone and done something else if we wouldn't have COVID, if there was no Malcolm Rodriguez, uh, no Devin Harper. I know his, his brother's going to play, and I think it will be pretty good this year. So if that defense – listen, Oklahoma State can win the Big 12 championship next year. I mean, I think really, to me, the only hurdle they've got to overcome is Oklahoma. Um, Texas is getting a lot of preseason hype, but Oklahoma State plays Texas in Stillwater. If they can replace the middle and that infrastructure of the defense, and I think they can be um, – right back where they were last year pretty quickly, but it's just all guys that have never played. Yeah, and if right. you look at every area of Oklahoma, they have questions, and I know everybody is high on Brent Venables, mm. but they do have enough experience returning really kind of everywhere on the field to make it seem like it, it should be okay. But um, we'll talk about them in a minute. I just, I'm, I'm more concerned about the defense, and I don't think that last year necessarily – it was an outlier to me because of the experience and the age rather than – um, here we are, and now we're on this level. This is what our yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Case. Yeah. Oklahoma State's success last year uh, was defense. I mean, it, really it was, was it was it, an amazing it was defense. Incredible. Yeah. And they, these guys have big shoes to fill to try to, you know, in the D back position. So that'll be interesting. That's going to be. I, I can't wait to see the first couple of games out, and and you know what the defense is going to do. I think that's going to be the big, you know, big indicator or how the team's going to do. Thoughts on, you know, you mentioned Venables and everybody's high on him. There's a lot of emotion running in the Oklahoma fan base right Mm -hmm. now. I don't know that the Oklahoma State fan base almost isn't as emotional when you consider how the season ended. And, you know, I people, if you listen to me, uh, you know that I've I've never been a huge Mike Gundy fan from the time he got the job. He went from a pro-set team to this ridiculous offense that I didn't understand in 2005, and I've been pissed off since. I feel <laughs> like he's won a bunch of games, but he's never won the big game. And yeah. They haven't got there in recruiting yet tonight. they got top ten facilities, and they had them for a decade, and I don't feel like they're getting you know, the effect of that there in Stillwater. All these things. But let me tell you something. When that man stood up at that Fiesta Bowl and he said in front of me and my family and all those Oklahoma State fans that we have a brand, and he, there's something different about him this season. Everything that happened that last summer, I don't know what if what it ha- what it was, but there's something different about Mike Gundy, and he looks a lot like he did in '09 and '010 when he was when 2010 when he's out there, you know, sitting on equipment boxes and, and coaching his team. There's a passion behind Oklahoma State football for him that I feel like I haven't seen in a while. So I'm intrigued yeah. by Mike Gundy yeah. and what this version of himself looks like moving forward because he was fired the hell up. After that, out that Fiesta Bowl, he was and looking like he's ready to take on the rest of his career, which I would have told you two years ago. I don't know how much longer he wants to do this. Just didn't look like he was engaged a couple of years ago. I think the power struggle at the top was just unfortunate and sad because if he's putting a lot of energy into fighting Mike on stuff and that who's getting credit and things like that, he should be putting that energy into the program mm. in other ways, you know. And now that that's gone. You know, sometimes people, you um, kind of get your own satisfaction about your accomplishments, and I think sometimes there is a need for outside uh, affirmation, and I think Mike always needed some out- outside affirmation. You know, a lot of things have bothered him in the media, and there's been some weird media relationships with him, and so maybe those distractions are kind of gone now, and he feels like, I'm the guy. That's right. Because right. he is he is, he is the, the guy, man. right? Yeah. He no runs question. everything. He shows up late for practice, and, I mean, he's a little bit that way where – I want this to be my kingdom, and, and it was Mike's kingdom and Boone's kingdom, and now it's his. And so yeah. let's see how it goes. I mean, I, I, I think that, that to me, I, that's not wise. I mean, I would just say he shouldn't have to feel that way. Right. But let, let's see what happens.
As your average Oklahoma State fan, big Mike Gunny fan myself. Yeah. I love the culture and the, everything that he brings as far as that goes to the, to the program. I think that he has done a good job. I mean, I think that Mike Gundy over the last 15 years has been as, as good as really yeah, any absolutely. coach in the country not yeah. named Nick Saban. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, yeah. they've won a ton of games. Oklahoma State is a national brand. People recognize the Cowboys when they're on television. Yeah. You know, I, I I laugh at myself at times. I'm like, what more could you ask for? And it's like, I'm I'm asking for more because he's making me believe that they can have more. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, the window is open. I just need you to step your legs through there. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Just... And I don't know what more looks like in Stillwater. And honestly, now with everything we know, what's happening in college football and how the landscape changes and NIL and everything else, mm-hmm. there's a there has to be a commitment from the university to go get more. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if you're gonna want, if you want more, like Clemson wanted more. Well, Clemson puts two million dollars into their facilities annually. Like that's a commitment they make every single year to keep up with the Joneses. Is Oklahoma State ever going to be that? That's I a, don't know. That's a big problem for OU and OSU going forward in the NIL era. Hundred percent. I, mean, I sat down and talked to Chad Weiberg, who's a friend of mine. I've known him since I was in high school, and I think that both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State have a lot of trepidation about cheating. They want to do things right. They want to do things the right way, and they want to make sure that we're not having contact with this or we're not. Uh, offering athletes anything and there are other schools that are absolutely unafraid to go do that and so um you know hiring analysts and all those things cost a lot of money and so we'll see i mean i think it's a big challenge for both schools in state to try to to keep up with what texas is doing what texas a&m is doing and what usc is doing Mm. i'll be curious to know what uh I mean, Oklahoma's Oklahoma State's got a choice here. You know, what I mean, and and if they are unable to keep up with the Joneses per se, I don't think anybody really expects them to do so. The Sooners, though, you know, we'll switch gears to them now. Like they they are expected to keep up, and I think that it's going to be a fan base that doesn't understand some of the choices that they might be making. You know, in regards to NIL and everything else, because you, you're Jimmy's and Joe's win college football games. Period. That's it. Period. No matter who you have as a coach, no matter who you have as a staff, you want to win at this level, at the highest level, you've got to have the best players in the country to do so. And I think that's just kind of the game that we're playing. So they might not want to get on board with this thing like Jimbo and Saban Ahur and everybody else at the top of this thing, but they're going to have to find their way to find that kid that's still that five-star type of guy that wants to come in and be a part of Venable's sole mission, which I love. I love it. You're not an Oklahoma, Oklahoma guy, but the sole mission, dude, come on. Like, who doesn't love a football coach talking about football things and, mm-hmm. and life things and building men, mm-hmm. better men? And he wears his faith on his sleeve and, you know, Christ is in every conversation. Like, I love this stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. I hope that every kid wants to come to Oklahoma and play just so they can be a part of what he's building down there. But knowing the kind of kids, Mark, you're around high school kids. How many kids do you meet every day like Ethan Downs? I've met one like that mm-hmm. in the last several years, one of them, and it's Ethan Downs. You're talking about an Oklahoma kid yeah. that's good enough to be a superstar at OU. Right, who, who is in line with the conversation that Venables is having about family and faith and football, the Bobby Bowden mentality. It's interesting because I do think that you know, when OU got into trouble in basketball and David Bourne spun the compliance office away from the athletic department where it was usually kind of a friendly situation, and those guys and still are this way – there, from with Joe Castiglione, there's a reluctance to, I think, pay 
for a lot of th- this is why Lincoln Riley left. It wasn't he was scared of the of the uh, SEC or anything like this. Is that he felt like I'm not going to ever have the resources from the athletic department that I need. When Brent Venables came to OU, he wasn't going to come without Thad Turnipseed, who had been at Alabama and had been at Clemson. It was his guy that's going to go in and deal with the athletic director and deal with compliance and deal with those things. He wasn't coming until Thad agreed to come. And I, and I was told that Thad had to get some concessions from Joe C. to, to be able to come. So we'll see. Oh, you figured it out a little bit. Okay, well, we didn't do this with Lincoln. We're going to open up the purse strings a little bit. But the NIL stuff, they're not out there. They're really conservative. They've got a collective now that I think means well, but it has has to raise a lot of money. I know Coach Switzer's behind it. Coach, I know well. Uh, there's a lot of good people behind that, but they still have to go out and raise a lot of money as to where Texas has got a lot of money raised already and is going to just kind of pay players. So, that's going forward. That's another discussion, I think, for another day. But I, I do think that Venables, you could tell when Lincoln left that some of the players didn't feel like he was their coach. Right. Defensive mm-hmm. players, and I was told this before, it wasn't anything that's alarming. Lincoln is an offensive coach. He recruits quarterbacks and wide receivers, and when he's running a recruiting weekend, he's paying attention to the offensive guys. He's not paying attention to the defensive guys. Uh, and so I think that they kind of felt like, hey, you're not really my coach. But I think everybody now feels like Brent's their coach. Right. And I think you can't fake that as a coach. I don't think Brent's fake. I think he's genuine. I think he's going to be a player's coach. I think that will matter to the guys. Now, you know, if you don't win, you can be a player's coach all you want. People right. are going to be pissed. I mean, so that they're going to have – right now, there's not – nobody's losing. They're winning every, every week, you know. Right. So if things go wrong, then it could be more of a challenge. Um, and I think it's fascinating with OU this year because of what you've talked about. There's so many fans – that were pissed, so upset, and hated Lincoln Riley for leaving, and were so damaged by that. They get Brent back. They go on this huge roller coaster from here to here, and now got to play the games. So that's when it becomes more of a challenge to just have this all this patriotism that they've got right now for the program. So radio gives us the ability to be storytellers, right? I get paid for my opinion. I don't have to sit in the press box or take notes or get stats right. or any of those things. So during the spring game, instead of sitting up there, I went and sat in the stands, and what I witnessed was a Friday night lights type of moment that when Coach grabbed the microphone, the, all 75,000 people shut the hell up. Like, it is there, – there are people, as Venables spoke to the crowd, that were in full-out tears, crying. You, you know, yes, Coach, and we love you, and we believe in you. Like, I, I just feel like there was this shock over the OU fan base that I don't think we'll ever fully understand what people kind of went through. And I'm like, you know, and as a former player and media member, we I disconnect myself from, from that. You know what I mean? Like the last time I was had real fandom, I was 17 years old and I had my Ohio State ball cap on. I was in my high school. You know what I mean? So you don't – it's hard for us to be fans these days and to understand the emotional tie to it. But what I saw in the stands there – on that Saturday was like a religious experience. And it's like, y'all need to snap out of this and understand that there is so much work to be done with this football program, and in particular on the defensive end. So when I look at, you know, nine wins for Oklahoma, do I think they'll win more than that? Yes, I do. I think that that roster is still the best roster in this in this conference. You know, I think Texas is doing their best to buy a bunch of players and get up to Oklahoma's level. But right now, they're not there yet. And all those offensive linemen they got are too young and not to be ready to go, all those things, right? Texas is still beneath Oklahoma a little bit. And offensively, I like Levy, and I like 
you know, what they're going to return on the offensive line based off the spring game. I would evaluate that group as getting better on the offensive line also. I think they got talented, all the skill position players. I'm excited to see what Marcus Majors does. But on the defensive end, boys, that thing has been run from the sidelines for years. And I think what we don't fully understand is the amount of damage control and reteaching of the of an actual defensive scheme that they're going to have to do. And they essentially had eight weeks and pads to do it. They just had their first four. They'll get four more here in August to reteach that defense everything. Route recognition, the whole nine yards, right? How to traditionally play these positions. And I'm curious to know, you know, I wonder how much of that they're going to be able to get done before the season gets started. And Oklahoma's schedule is not friendly, right? Nebraska will be better this next year, right? 100%. Follow it up with Kansas State, who brings in Adrian Martinez, who's the best quarterback that Kleiman has ever had at Kansas State. That won't be an easy game. Those are back-to-back games. They're going to lose one of those. They might lose both of those. And so then you wonder, you know, it's, this is the thing that I will never understand as a player because I never experienced this. I played in the best conference in college football, and on any given Saturday we could lose, and we understood that, right? Mm-hmm. I have never understood what it was to be an OU player and to, to not – you can't feel that way. Like, you literally are not expected not to, to lose a game. So now you get into that mix. You get in early – you realize, oh, this is going to be a tougher season. And for the first time, you don't have Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray or some of these sawed-off great kids. Caleb, uh, Caleb uh, Williams last year was so damn good. No one will ever give him credit for it. But holy crap, Mark, without an offensive line, how good was that kid, right? He was incredible. So I just feel like on the defensive end, there's way more to catch up on. I think they'll get to that nine level, but that might be it. It's going to be a tough season for the Sooners. The one thing that I would – maybe slightly disagree with you on is how good is the schedule against them? Um, I, I will I'll give you Nebraska. I think that could be a tough game. They're a three point favorite early Vegas line on that. Uh, they, Nebraska has been as good as anybody with a transfer portal. I think they upgraded a quarterback. Cause I take Casey Thompson over Adrian Martinez. Um, and then they added a bunch of guys that I think can play. So that game will be tough. Um, you know what? Last year was a miracle for OU. They won six games by one possession. Crazy. And they got lucky. They got lucky 100%. to beat Tulane at 350-yard field goals in that game. I don't know how they beat Texas. It was insane. It's because Texas, to me, has no strength and conditioning. They weren't in shape all year. Yeah. They, were, they were dying in fourth quarters of every game. Um, so I, I think the wheels really were coming off a little bit with Lincoln in, in certain ways last year. Uh, I don't think he handled the quarterback situation well. I think the team – kind of understood Caleb Williams was getting some preferential treatment. Um, and then defensively, everybody was upset because they were playing so many guys, right? Right. All right, but they did lose a ton of production, tackles for loss, uh, sacks, all that stuff. Um, Jalen Redmond, good talent, never been able to stay completely healthy. So I think that's a key for him. Uh, but I do like Stripling, who had a good look in the spring. Yeah, uh, they've he's got talented. some highly t- talented, uh, highly recruited players up there. You know, Ethan, you like, I like him too. Um, so I, I think that'll be interesting. The offense was the bigger mess last year. It really was. Yeah. He made, I mean, he put Eric Gray back there to re- return the punt at Oklahoma State. He fumbled on the three-yard line. That could have been the difference in winning that game or losing that game. Um, and, and he started Eric Gray in a lot of games who averaged one less yard per carry than uh, Kennedy Brooks did. And then you've got uh, Marvin Mims, who had less catches as a sophomore and way less touchdowns. They didn't feature him. Um, they didn't play Jaleel Farouk until the last game. He looked like he was really good. So I don't know what was going on on offense last year with, with Lincoln. Um, 
I would I would just say this. In the Big 12, they've got Oklahoma State at home. That will be an advantage. They've got Baylor at home. That will be an advantage. Uh, I'm not high on Kansas State at all. I, I think maybe the new quarterback, but they canceled their spring game because they didn't have enough defensive linemen to even practice. Right. So I, I, I think Kleiman, I, I talk to people that know what's going on inside programs and stuff like that. Some think he's great. Some think he's a mess. I mean, like really? a complete mess. Um, so I, I just like that he. it's just players – running amok over the program. So I would have never guessed that. Well, it's again, there's other people that have different opinions right. that know just as much. So I, I think that I, – and I don't know. I just – in the Big 12 this year, you look at, is TCU going to take a, a next step? I mean, just let's go over – who could beat Oklahoma this year? It's Texas, Nebraska, Oklahoma State. Yep. So that gets you to nine right yeah. there. Is there anybody else that you think that could step up, or would they lose all three of those games and then lose another? I think that Baylor probably could step up – I. I don't know what it is about the what's in the water in Waco. They lose a lot. They lose a bunch. But a lot. even let's go back to 2018. That Baylor team under Matt Rule, their roster was hot garbage. But I would have told you they're one of the top ten toughest teams in college football. Right, and they will hit your ass. I think they'll be the same mentality this year. That quarterback beats out the Bohannon kid. I think Baylor will be. I think I don't think they'll be the team they were a year ago. But I also don't think that you could ever not take them serious. Bernard they, and Pertle were. I mean, I, Bernard is great linebacker. Absolutely. So those guys are gone. Uh, I love Dave Aranda's approach, but I really think Matt Rule was a special coach. So can is Dave Aranda going to bring in the type of guys that Matt Rule did? And those are Matt's players. Right. Dave's culture, and he's a good coach, and he's a good defensive coach. But I, I, I don't know. Let's see if it's the, if it's the same kind of players. Didn't they? Didn't that big nose guard that Oklahoma State struggled with so much? Didn't he come back? He's back, and then they got Jackson Player that was at Tulsa that transferred down there. So that that's the best them. defensive tackle combination in the in the conference. Probably is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like. I think that they they play in Norman though. Right. I mean, and again, OU's home field advantage. They lose games at homes. I mean, but it, it it does probably help them to play at home. Yeah. Like the atmosphere of Bedlam last year. One of the best games I've ever been in. Loudest game I've ever been in. Two thousand and two in Stillwater. Um, so, I do think it helps to play at home yeah. in those games. I would agree to that. Casey, as an Oklahoma State fan, you sat back and watched all hell break loose uh, this over Christmas and everything else going on with Venables and Riley leaving. Uh, thoughts on OU's program and, you know, I mean, it Here, was – Here's the thoughts I have is a head coach is culture, and I think it's big. I can get behind the OU story. I oh, can get 100%. behind the story. And Are you so, going to lose your posse club membership because of this? Uh, I might. I might. I might <laughs> actually. Uh, I'll still be wearing my orange and black. But no, I, you can get behind the story. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a tough year. And uh, you said this, Sam, and you're right. You know, OU's not used to losing. And so, but I mean, they're going to be good. They're they're a good club. They always are, and uh, and they'll have a good year. Are they going to have what we're used to seeing out of you, OU? Probably not. Right. Uh, but, again, I can get behind a culture at, at my store. I'm kind of the head coach of the store, store, you know. And so, and that's what I do. I'm the culture guy, you know. And, so, and it's important. And uh, everybody loves a good story. It's, the drama of sports is why we all do this. 100%. You know. And so I can get behind that. I can I'm, get behind that. Thoughts on the quarterback situation in, in Norman has been – so I get OSU fans get so mad at me, and I'm like, y'all need to understand something. There are media members who have done this job for 50 years that haven't done the things that I was able to do because I covered the Oklahoma Sooners, right? I've covered two Heisman Trophy winners, two semifinalists. Mm. What? Or one semifinalist, and then the, the Williams kid, I think he would have been there if he would have 
stayed this year, he would have been sitting there in New York to do it. I also think if Rattler had an offensive line, he could have done it. Like, we've seen nothing but exceptional quarterback play for five, six years now. I look at Dylan Gabriel, and I see a talented kid. I see a big left arm. I see mobility that will help him in the college game. But I don't know that I see one of the nation's top quarterbacks, and it'll be the first time in a long time that Oklahoma hasn't had one of those guys at the helm. You know this, though. Remember Sam Bradford? I mean, I watched him play in high school. His team didn't even make the playoffs when he was a senior. But when he went to Oklahoma, he had unbelievable receivers and a badass offensive line around him, and he got comfortable, and then everything. And, and he just was, torched the world. Sam was an unbelievable play. athlete, great golfer, and uh, high, high-hand coordination is off the charts. And so I think you just have to get the quarterback comfortable, right? I mean, a nervous quarterback can do a lot of bad things, but a comfortable quarterback is pretty good. I don't know how Dylan Gabriel is going to be, and I, I do absolutely say that, that Lincoln Riley set the bar with quarterbacks at an extremely high level, and he's going to continue to recruit and get guys to be quarterback at USC. They're going to probably be as good as anybody in the country. Um, so that's a question. I, the, the one thing I had written down first for OU in terms of why I think they might be better is just strength and conditioning. Jerry Schmidt's coming back. Yep. And I thought the strength and conditioning had kind of uh, dropped Fall off. off the face of the earth. Yeah. And the offensive line wasn't physical. They're doing a lot of sprint draw type action and influence blocking and things like that rather than firing off and blocking people. And I think they're going to be tougher. And I think the defense is going to be tougher. Um, and, again, last year they were lucky to me to be 11-2. and two. They could have lost more games and should have probably lost more games. So this year uh, if they're 10-3 and three or whatever it might be, they might even be better than they were last year even with the worst record. So we'll have to see how it goes. I, I think also, again, for Oklahoma State, Iowa State's way down, lost a ton of production. Yep. Baylor has lost a ton of production. TCU has a coaching change that I think should be good for uh, for their team. They haven't had a defense in the last couple of years, and there's no way that Sonny Dyke's defense is going to be better than Gary Patterson's defense. Accurate. No yep. chance. Truth. Uh, so then we got to Texas. Hey, Texas could be pretty good. I mean, I'm not – I mean, I feel stupid for saying that because every year everyone does. But – uh, there's a lot of film to look at where Texas was really bad last year, and they haven't made that many changes in their program. Yeah. So I, I think both teams are over. I really do. I mean, eight and a half, nine, uh, I think we could finally see a Bedlam Big 12 championship game. I mean, and I do think I respect Texas enough that they do have enough offensive talents. I mean, uh, B. John Robinson, Xavier Worthy, uh, those are, are really good players that can impact a game. Maybe I don't see the consistency there, though. So, But I, I would take Oklahoma State. And uh, Oklahoma is the top two teams in the league. I would. I would and I'm get, sorry. I mean, I mean that could be a homer opinion because I'm no, sitting here talking to you. And I don't think doing so. Doing this at show all. right here in Oklahoma, but I, I mean, I, I'm not going to put Texas there. And I don't think again Baylor to me lost too much to be in that conversation again this season. I think that the Big Twelve champion hails in Oklahoma. I just don't know which yeah. which school. What about you, Case? Well, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an expert in your field, but I want to go with the Pokes. Nice. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Let's let's move on. We'll talk a little Thunder basketball uh, to close this thing out. I am I am blown away by Sam Presti. Yeah. You know, LeBron yeah. James says he's the best GM in, in basketball. Yeah. Uh, I have never been a huge fan of the NBA. I uh, hated Russell Westbrook when he was – He, I mean, hated him with a passion. I feel like he's the anti – Russell Westbrook deserves <laughs> his own wing in the Hall of Fame. There will never be another player like him. Like, he is – he was – there will never be another player like him in any sport. Like, he's just himself – I'll never understand it. Like, he, he refused to conform to anybody. Yeah. And he just turned me off. I never was a fan of him. And then, you know, Durant did what he did. Uh, but I've been pretty amazed. I mean, ever since Chris Paul got here, I've, I've paid a lot of attention to Thunder. And 
Uh, I enjoy the work. I enjoy the effort. I like Mark Dagnall and the job that he has done. I think he's a teacher, and I think those kids respect him. And I think each and every year I can see marked improvement out of the individual. And I think now with the number two pick in the draft, we could start looking at the big picture mm-hmm. as far as the team. And Mark, I mean, I for me, I think it's been pretty easy for them to tank based off of just the roster. I think they have on purpose – yeah, they don't have a big man on purpose. Mm-hmm. There right. isn't a guy. Oh, literally, that's the design of this deal. <laughs> We're just going to let everybody score a bunch of layups on yeah. us and not defend the paint. And it, it's been great. That's how they've they've lost games. That's how they got this draft pick. But it's got to be size in this draft for number two, right? Yeah, I think it does. Um, I think it just depends on the evaluation. I think people are going to look back on, a, on these couple of years, and whenever I've gone to games, uh, I've had a blast. And they're going to miss the intensity that this team played with because all these guys are fighting for their job. 100%. And man. in the NBA, I've talked about today, I'm like, why don't we just, you know, lop off 10 games in the NBA? Stars don't want to play. We're going to rest. We're going to take load management. They make a lot of money, and the physical demands of an NBA schedule is incredible. Mm-hmm. But not to the guy that's trying to go from making uh, $1.2 to a contract for eight. Or, right or, or, or ten or 18. twelve, yeah. Or yeah, you absolutely. tell me, like I'm. I mean, yeah. I'm not making a million a year, uh, but if I was going to fight to get a contract for twelve million a year, I'm, I mean, I might do eighteen podcasts in the next twenty hours. So <laughs> right. I'm just saying. So uh, I think that you're going to never see that again. Right. Uh, and so this draft, I think at two, it just worked out so perfect for them. I'm not sure who Orlando's going to take. I do know that Chet Holmgren's measurables are going to blow people away. I mean, he's seven foot one. He's a good defensive player. He can handle the basketball. He can shoot the basketball. There's really nothing that he can't do. Just to compare him to Poku is ridiculous. Um, they just look alike. They don't play alike. Right. So I think um, I love Jabari Smith. I would hope that Oklahoma City gets him. I kind of That's a kid from Auburn? Yes. Yeah. I mean, he shot over 40% from the three-point line last year at 6'10". He doesn't go to the basket very much. Kind of slight. Uh, so I think you would have to learn that to be physical in the NBA because you don't want to just draft a 6'10 guy that spots up and shoots threes. Right. Uh, I know the Thunder really like uh, Ivy at Purdue because of his athleticism. Now, they have a bunch of guards, but they could potentially not sign Lou Dort depending on what the market is for him uh, and what they believe his potential is because he's going to get a big contract from what the Thunder gave him and is a undrafted free agent. So there's a lot of things at play here. Um You've got flexibility like nobody's business. You've got a 12 pick. You've got a 30 pick. You've got a 34 pick that's really valuable because it's not a guaranteed contract in the second round, and it's a high pick in the second round. Um, so I think we'll see. And I, and I think it, Sam Presti, like he said, ah, eh, uh, we evaluate our guys. We don't really pay attention to what anybody else says. So who knows? Um, but Ivy's athleticism is intriguing to me. We'll see. And, he, and he, then again, you've got to rely on Orlando and who they want. Then you get the next best guy. Would y'all be surprised to see him not drafted too? I, I would trade think, back. I would think they would draft it too because it's not super deep, right? I mean, I right. think yeah. I think the I think Bancaro's the fourth guy, but you'd have to be really sure that somebody wanted that guy way more than you did to move move back a spot or two spots. Because look, they've got enough draft picks; they got more than they'll ever use. Most of those most of those draft picks aren't even very good because they're so heavily protected on the lottery. Uh, but I do think that 12, I mean, you could use that to move up if some teams want to move down. We'll see what, what Sam does. I think you can get a good guy at 12. I think you can get a potential start, too. Holmgren, 185 pounds. Is that accurate? Scrawny. All right, 7'1", 185. <laughs> 
Like yes. I just scrawny. This league is not the league that Shaq played in, so I, I get that for sure. But one hundred eighty five pounds. I, I was five eight, one eighty five as a as a eighth grader. They'll have to vet him because if you want to be very, if you want to be elite, you can't do what Utah and Phoenix have done and have a center that can't play defense. And I think Chet is pretty athletic. Like, can yeah. you see DeAndre Ayton dribbling the ball up the floor between his legs and doing all those kind of things? Yeah. And I, I think that he is one hundred eighty five pounds is right, but. I don't see him under the basket a ton. Oklahoma City definitely, and you're 100% right, no rim protection equals losing. Yes. So you're going to have to find a guy that can come in and a big guy that can play defense at the rim. But you might be able to find somebody like that, you know, like a Brooke Lopez, underrated player for the Bucs, was hurt all year, probably not completely healthy in the playoffs. Right. Um, but you can't play him at times in games because if, if somebody's going to switch, if you're going to have to switch all these positions and he's on the perimeter, somebody's shooting a jumper over him or getting right around him. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I think it's interesting what they'll do. It, but it's great, though. I mean, right? I mean, you've got draft flexibility. You're going to get a really good player. So I think it'll bring people to the arena. Case, thoughts on the Thunder? I think it's going to be Sam Presti, Sam Presti. I, I, it's fun for me. It's fun to watch the yeah. whole thing. It's been a tough couple of years to be a Thunder fan, but it's fun to w- really kind of watch what's going on from a business aspect for me. Right. But, uh, it, you know, it's an interesting team. It's an interesting pile of guys. And, uh It'll be. I think the stars are aligning though. Like you know, we're we're obviously this year is going to be kind of that. Are we ready? Are are they striking this year, or is we're going to put one more in? It? And so it'd be exciting to watch either way. I th- I'm I'm becoming a Thunder fan again. It'll be hard to tank another year. Right? I don't think they're yeah. going to tank. I think they're going to start it's, off trying to play. And their yeah. their pick that they have. Um, I mean, you have to be really bad for it to be really good, unless you're super lucky. And they and they may try to play and. <laughs> You know, have a record similar to what uh, the pick that they got last year from um, who was it? The, uh, the Clippers. Yeah. So, and it moves up. You know, I I don't. I think Oklahoma City could play hard and get into the play-in game and maybe not make the playoffs, and therefore they still get their pick and still get into the lottery. But unless things go horribly wrong early from an injury perspective, then I think they're going to play and try to be competitive. I would agree to that. I think that. Uh I think that it's time. I think that it's hard to motivate young players to continue to do what they're doing. I think that they've got to, you know, SGA is young. You know, mm-hmm. Josh Giddy is mm-hmm. coming they're in our sophomore young. season. Dort is, those are young men. And I think mm-hmm. to give them the green light to go be the best version of themselves is exactly what they need to do at this point. Is it going to be great? Do we know that they're going to get out the basement floor in the NBA? Not necessarily. We don't know that. But I think it's time to give these kids the ability to just go play their games. Go be who you are. I saw some bad signs a little bit from SGA last year um, because I think he just kind of, okay, well, I'm the guy. I'm going to showcase my ability. And it was way too many threes and sometimes way too many, like, kind of moments in the game where I think his, you know, best ability is to get to the basket and be a facilitator at times and pass the ball. And so I, I thought maybe his development got stunted somewhat by – not the trying to play in it, not, right. not trying to win. You know, right. we're, we're yeah. all just out here. And, and again, I think it, all those guys that are playing for their careers and their contracts, those guys are playing super hard and doing whatever they needed to do. And I think sometimes SGA, he wasn't in that mold. He's got his, he's got his bag, so he's good. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that to try to get everything to fit within that framework is going to be a challenge for Dagnall, who I agree with you has done a fantastic job. Giddy, star, potential? He's fun. He's, he's the old, you know – John Stockton, he, he's fun to watch. I, I like him. I like him a lot, too. Yeah. Like he's just, and he's just a sweet kid. You, yeah. know what I mean? you run into him, he's just a sweet kid. Like you are 
18 years old, having a great time, you know, just loving life. He talks to everybody that walks up to him and shakes kids' hands and signs autographs. Like, he's just a great kid. And I watch him play, and I'm like, man, you're, you you barely know what you're doing, and he's so effective. <laughs> he's a basketball magician yeah. with yeah. his handles, but he's got to shoot. I mean, come on. Yeah. He's got to be able to shoot better than he shoots right now. The shot looks odd. I mean, to say the least, it's it's not it's not Jamal Wilkes. You know what I'm saying? His shot was odd, but it went in. Yeah. So I don't know. He's got to get. He's got to figure out how to make baskets if he's going to be a star. Give me a comp. Like if you can see him in five years, who is he in the NBA? I think a good comp to start off with would be would have been. I mean, and this is on the super high end. Would have been Jason Kidd, another guy that couldn't shoot. Yeah. He's a Hall of Fame player. Yeah. Um, but but I do think that Josh Giddey's ability to pass is similar to Jason Kidd's. I mean, like if mm-hmm. at his age in the NBA, his upside could be pretty good there. So I, I don't know. If, if you say, what's the best this could be, I would say that's that. Okay. Who do they draft? Call it. I think Chet Holmes is going to go number one. So I, I think, think he does I too. I think they're going to draft mm-hmm. Jabari Smith. I would be here for Jabari Smith. You're the same? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think Jabari Smith will call Oklahoma City home, and I'm here for it. I think those athletic big guys, you know, you don't need seven feet – uh, necessarily, but I, you like his ability to facilitate. You like his offensive vision down the court. You can tell he's playing basketball, you know, and as a young player, he's only a freshman, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, that kid's just getting started. And, and then, you know, people say, well, he played against Zaga, and he didn't do well in the Arkansas game. But, yeah, you got to remember, though, he also played AAU circuit. He played against the best players in his class. He was on TV on ESPN playing against Imani Bates, who was supposed to be another superstar that didn't quite pan out as much as it has. So he's gone up against the top competition, and – in his, you know, against his peer group. I'll tell you this, though. If don't – I would think Oklahoma City would take uh, Jay Nivey over Paulo Bancaro. Okay. So, I mean, if something goes crazy and Oklahoma City makes a, a weird move or somehow trades down or something like that, I'm telling you, it's Ivy over Bancaro. Okay. All right. I'm here for it. I'm excited. Number two pick in the draft. That's coming up when? Sometime in June. Yeah, sometime in June. Also, before we get out of here, I've got to throw this out because also sometime in June, uh, June 2nd through the 10th, the Women's College World Series, looks like the Cowboys and, or the Cowgirls and the Sooners might be headed to a, uh, a matchup in the World Series that could be incredible. How now, crazy. You've been down to Norman to the softball games, have, have you not? I have not been to Norman for a softball game. I went out to uh, the Big 12 t- tournament. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I've seen, I saw you on social media. I'm yeah. impressed with that. It's insane. Yeah. Softball is one of the coolest sports yeah. I've ever watched in my mm-hmm. entire life. The girls. The interaction with each other, the interaction with the fans, the speed of the game. Yeah, speed. So mm-hmm. much faster than baseball. Mm-hmm. And I was dumb enough when I was in at Oklahoma State. So my buddy, you remember Mark Milosevic? Remember that name? Played tight end. Looked like Sunshine from uh, Remember the Titans. Okay. Right? Oh, yeah. Louisville Farmer, Fighting Farmers. I'll never forget him. So Mark was trying to go on a date with Lauren Bay, the Canadian, mm-hmm. right? Olympian softball player. Lauren says, you can, you can get a hit off me, then I'll go on a date with you. So I'm like, cool. I'm going to tag along. Mark's my buddy. We weren't roommates, but we lived, like, right next to each other. And so we go out there, and Mark is taking pitches from Lauren and just crushes one out of the park. And I'm like, holy crap, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, like, way to go, buddy. So then I can't think of what Marge's last name was, but Marge threw a 70-mile-per-hour fastball as uh-huh. a softball. Marge is like, what do you want to try? And I'm like, I can do this. Keep in mind, I've never played a lick of baseball. <laughs> right. And at this point, I might not have ever swung a real bat at a ball. Like, I just – it wasn't a thing that my family did, right? Uh-huh. There's no – and so Marge got up there and threw that pitch at me, and it only took one. 
me to put that bat down and walk my fat ass <laughs> off that belly. Are you kidding? That thing, it moves everywhere. Yeah. Up and down and left and right. Softball's cool. It's impressive. I'm a fan. It, it really and is I'm, impressive. And I'm, I'm pretty blown away by the women in this state at the high school level, the college level. Rose, is it Rose State that's going out to uh, – not Rose State. One of the, the smaller schools is going out to the D2 World Series in Denver. It's, it's fantastic. I think you, you hit the nail on the head. The speed of the game is great. The reflexes, there's always action. Mm-hmm. There's not, we're not like looking off signs and wait. And, and I love right. baseball, so I'm not going to rip it. But uh, no, it's great. And then it helps that both teams are good. Patty Gasso is in rare air, right? I mean, you're talking Coach Saban. I don't know who else we can compare to her in the, in the college game. If you had to compare somebody, it'd be more people on her own campus. KJ Kindler and Mark Williams, the head coaches of the uh, men and women's uh, gymnastics teams. Like Patty Gasso has done a phenomenal job. Unbelievable oh, you coach. spring sport. I mean, Oklahoma State always had the, the spring sports. Oklahoma spring sports are pretty good. Combined. The golf team and the gymnastics team. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess gymnastics are not necessarily spring, but, but golf and softball have, making, uh, have made huge strides. And even the baseball team doing well there in, yeah. uh, in Norman. And then OSU is also doing really well in all their spring sports. Softball's doing well. I thought the track team did pretty well this year. OU's track tennis, team did pretty well. Tennis, tennis did well. Yeah, so it's been a good year across the board for both OU and, and OSU. Really the only disappointment – I would say both men's basketball teams probably wish they could have done a little bit better uh, this season. Obviously, some ridiculous circumstances there in Stillwater for Mike Boynton. But as far as the athletic departments and the overall health here in the state, I don't think it could be any better as far as OU and OSU are concerned. What, yep. what about hockey? Does OU have a hockey team? It's a, club, it's got it's a, a club, club team. team. Oh, it's yeah. a club team. Does yeah. OSU? Yeah. No, I don't think so. You would have been a hockey player. Uh, you think so? If you were I, a northern kid. You I've never been on the skates. So I don't know. Yeah, I think you could have done that. You have the mentality. I rollerbladed, you know, back in the 90s when it was How'd cool. that go for you? Not so well. I skated once and I broke the skates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, broke them and it, like, popped off. Like, at a velocity that could have really killed somebody. That's a, that's a blade. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so no, good. no more sk- roller ice skating for me. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. Not for big guys. Gentlemen, I enjoyed this so much. Thank you so much. It, Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Good to meet you, Casey. Yeah, it's good to be in the I enjoy doing this. presence of kings here in the sports world. I just don't know a whole lot of people that can talk as much as Mark and I do. And I was like, no, Casey would be perfect for this. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's I wish I could keep up. I, you know, I'm an Oklahoma State fan and I uh, love the Thunder back when the Thunder was fun to love. And, uh, yeah, not, not, I don't know much about OU. I think we I should got just, a lot of people around me. You can just rip OU. I mean, you're going to get – I was going to love your look, I, Listen, I, I work with mostly just, OU fans. Why don't you fans. just say OU's going to be, like, under seven this year? <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. I thought – so Brittany says to me, she's like, is, you know, Casey going to – Rip OU, and I was yeah. like, I hope he trips. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of open for that. All over. My office manager, sales manager. I've got one. I've got a huge Texas fan. Most OU fans there at the store in Kingfisher, but at the helm we have a, a cowboy. What wait, is, King, uh, Kingfisher is Oklahoma State town. That's, oh, that's oh, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Josh Fields, a friend of mine, right? Yeah, down right down the He's road. doing a body competition. Is he really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah, I'm, matter of fact, I need to stop by his office and, and kind of tell him how it went and give him some pointers. Is he entering nice. in the baseball player division? Because he don't have to be in shape. <laughs> I bet that. he would win that one. Yeah, probably. Yeah, he needs to, yeah. Yeah, he's no, he's lost like 50 pounds. Has he really? Yeah, you need, on, yeah. on your 40, you, you need to have him. Yeah, I would definitely do that. Yeah. I'm yeah. down 52, but it doesn't feel as good as Serve Josh's does. 
Yeah. I'm afraid like, to sit here next to you if you're losing weight like that because I'll find it. It's oh, yeah. I'm down. I was 425 <laughs> in January. Last time you and I did a podcast, I was yeah. over 400 pounds. Man. And so man. now you're I'm down always to good to me, Sam. Good job, oh, I appreciate man. that. Job. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm start, I saw my toes in the shower the other day and I was like, holy crap. <laughs> it's it's this is I had no idea yeah. you guys were still hanging out down there and you're not like black and, and get ready to fall off. So I'm not going to die anytime soon. That's good. Yeah. It's good stuff. Well, yeah. Mark Rogers, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Casey Jackson. Jackson's a Kingfisher, good buddy of mine. Casey, you got anything on a Memorial Day out there at the store? Yeah, yeah. We're going to be up in staff, and uh, yeah, absolutely. There's some, you know, the car business is so strange right now. It's like we, we have we have some U's, and we're blowing out some U's for sure. I think we got some, you know, uh, a crash ahead of us here at some point. I don't know when. Interest rates are climbing. So we've got some U's we got to blow out. So we got some good deals uh, coming Monday. I got the team there nice. open selling some cars. Yeah, stop by. Check out our used car inventory, jacksonskingfisher.com. Uh, yeah, we're really blowing them out. So I've got all our inventory on there. I've got 150 cars to choose from, both between Enid and Kingfisher. Come check it out. We're blowing them out on Memorial Day. Awesome. Very cool, my friend. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Sam Mays Podcast.